have a Bible. I suppose that maybe the best place is to keep your Bible, um, though I'm not going to turn to it for a few moments, but to the Ephesians. That'll be towards the end of what I'm going to, to be saying. Uh, but that beatitude that we're looking at is uh, Matthew 5, verse 7, blessed are the, the merciful. Uh, I'm going to begin uh, by making a statement uh, I'm not sure whether you agree with this statement or not, but it's going to come up behind me. And, sorry, not that, it's that one. And the statement is, most people want to forgive. Uh, they just don't know how to get there. And because we recognize that actually forgiving someone is a really hard thing to do. And probably most of us, uh, we, we do want to try, we know it's the right thing to do, and it's the thing that we really uh, want to do. But the fact that it is so hard is what makes stories of uh, forgiveness uh, so much in, in the news. It was either last week or the week before, there was the guy who had gone into the mosques in Christchurch in New Zealand uh, and killed people. He was being uh, tried in court and there were some relatives of people there and some of their comments I saw on the BBC News were things like, I'm trying, I've almost reached the point where I can forgive this person, but I'm not there yet. One other person says, no, there is no way that I can forgive this, this other person. Uh, come, coming back to our, our own little country and, and we remember many stories of uh, dramatic experiences of forgiveness, uh, people who have been affected so badly in the Troubles. You can think of the Enniskillen bombing and the experience um, of Gordon Wilson following that where he was able to say that he was able to forgive those who had perpetrated that attack or after the Shankill bombing, uh, the same sort of experience with, with Alan McBride. Uh, you don't need to think of those horrific moments. Uh, there's a, a myriad of smaller uh, grievances, injustices, pet annoyances, things that have been done against you and you feel uh, those things. You have been on the receiving end of unfair treatment from other people. It's not nice, it's not pleasant. And so you know that it's really, really hard to forgive other people. So we turn today to the fifth beatitude, which is talking about being merciful. And, and mercy is very closely related to uh, forgiveness, but they're not quite the same. Uh, I've got another thing that's up there, and it says that uh, on the screen, it says mercy is broader than forgiveness, but forgiveness actually goes deeper. So they're, they're, they're closely related, but they are different. If I maybe try and describe it like this, there are many places where you will be able to extend mercy to another individual where there is no call to actually forgive the, the other person. It's just where you see someone who is in need and it's something that you can help with. For instance, if after going out from this building today and you go out and you see that the car beside you has a flat tire, and unless you deliberately put something under that tire to make it flat, you have nothing that needs forget to forgive or in any way to be involved like that. But if you want to help, it's simply because you are being merciful. So there's no mercy involved. So mercy or so no forgiveness involved. So mercy is broader than forgiveness. But forgiveness is also deeper. Let's assume that someone has done something really nasty to you. You don't like it. It's not nice. 
It's really painful. It's, it's hurtful. And your natural inclination is to repay evil with evil. But to be merciful in that situation is simply not to do that. So you know you want to whack the person on the head. You know you want to say something to that person, but just refraining from doing that is extending mercy. But you still haven't really forgiven the person, but to forgive the person goes deeper and longer because what you're trying to do is then to repair this, the, the relationship that has been broken. You don't, you know, naturally you don't want to do that, but if you want to restore the relationship, you're going to have to forgive. So that's why they're closely related, but they're different. And so if I return to that little statement I made at the beginning, is that I think for most of us, we've probably been in situations where yes, we do want to really forgive another individual, but we just don't know how to get there. Actually, from a, a biblical point of view, mercy is really, really, really important. It's so significant. And I think the reason that it is so significant is because it is really front and central to the, the very nature of who God is. It's, it's, it's an essential characteristic of God himself. Uh, in the Old Testament, there is a, a little phrase that has been repeated seven times, no less, uh, it's a fourfold declaration of who God is when God revealed himself to the likes of Moses and some others. For instance, it, it, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, it says, The Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love. And the fact that that verse appears so often repeated in the Bible is telling you that this is something that is so important about the nature of God himself, that God is merciful. Actually, God is not simply described as merciful, but Paul in Ephesians describes God as being rich in mercy. Or David in Psalm 23, again, a Bible passage that we will all know so well in reflecting about the, the relationship that he has with God and the impact that, that it has upon his own life and how that then flows out. And in that Psalm, he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Paul, writing in Titus chapter 3, he goes on to describe the motive with, with which God forgave you in the first place. Why did God forgive your sins? If the, Titus 3 verse 5, he saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. So that's why mercy is really, really important. It is an essential characteristic of who God is. And if we believe today that we're, that we're Christians and that we have thrown our lot in with Jesus Christ and we're following him, in that moment of, of, of accepting Christ, the scriptures would say that the Holy Spirit comes to live in our lives. And the, the goal of what the Holy Spirit is doing is to change you and to make you like Jesus himself. In other words, then, that the Holy Spirit will be working mercy in your life. Or going back again to the Old Testament. Again, a verse that you will know so well without me really even needing to say it when I just give the reference. It's Micah 6, verse 8. What does God require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Now, when Jesus spoke these words about being merciful, 
He was doing that in a time, particularly in his day, that people were not merciful. They were not forgiving. So these words were really quite like dynamite in his day and in his society because there was no mercy. Roman men in those days had the right that was called patria potestas upon the arrival of a new child. The baby would be brought to the father and if he raised his thumb, the child would live and if he lowered his thumb, the child would simply be taken out of the family home and left on a rubbish heap to die. A Roman man could do that with any of his slaves as well. They would live as long as he wanted them to live. If he didn't want them, he could kill them. Technically, he could do it also with his wife. So there was no mercy in Jesus' society. So Jesus speaking about mercy was really radical and different. And I would suggest that actually our society, our world, the world in which we all live day to day, in many ways we know there is still no mercy and forgiveness. It's a painful, cruel place. I mean, do you ever feel at times that our world, you know, your workplace, home, wherever you happen to be, that people actually delight in things going wrong. And if you mess up, they like to show that and, and in some ways tell more people about it. They like to delight in things that are going wrong rather than being kind and generous. You can go on to Facebook, you can go on to Twitter, and people seem to think they can say whatever they want to say, any measure, any measure of nasty, horrible, vindictive statements. People think they can say what they want to say. A while ago, we'd never heard of internet trolls, people who deliberately go after other people to denigrate them, to ruin them, to say horrible, nasty things, because our world is nasty and horrible. There is no mercy out there. And you don't have to go onto the internet to experience that because I know that many of you here, and again, I don't need to get you to raise your hand at any way to describe, but to say there has been some moment, even relatively recently, where someone has done something to you that you know is just plain nasty, it's horrible, it's not nice. And you've experienced the hurt and the pain because of the actions or the words of another human being. And actually, that's why I think we find these words of Jesus. And we find Jesus himself so attractive because he's different. And when he talks about being merciful, we know that this is unique and that this is special. And this is why we want to, to meet Jesus. So as we're thinking about being merciful and forgiving, I'm going to try and make this practical. I'm maybe going to use some biblical examples just to describe it. Um, how can you actually show mercy from today on? Situations, categories of situations where you can do that. And maybe the first of those is, as I was suggesting a few moments ago, when you simply see someone in need. A biblical story for that might just be the Good Samaritan. Walking down the road, he saw someone who was beat up, lying there, left for dead. He didn't need to help that person. He could have walked on by. He had every reason and justification for doing that. But he chose 
to step out of the ordinary and to show mercy and grace in those moments. And I know for a for fact that God can bring people into your life, moments and situations that God will orchestrate where you will have the opportunity of showing mercy to other people and that you need to be attentive to that, listening to what God is saying so that you are the person who can show mercy in those situations. So there, there are those ways when you can simply show mercy by seeing a practical need and doing something about it. The second way of showing mercy, I think, is slightly more novel, but I was saying something like this a couple of weeks ago. And it's, if I describe it as moderating your expectations of others, and if I elaborate a little bit about that, it's simply because I recognize that people will mess up, people will do stuff that annoys you, people will cause chaos and grief all around them. And we have to recognize that that will happen and that will annoy you. From Psalm 103 a couple of weeks ago, I was saying that God remembers that we are dust. God remembers what we're actually like when he deals with us and he deals with us then gently and softly because he knows we're weak and he knows that we do stuff that's wrong. And so I think we need to show mercy to other people in a similar way, recognizing that yes, people will annoy us. People will deliberately do things that hurt us. But when we begin to moderate our expectations of others, knowing that this is going to happen, that that's a novel way of actually extending mercy and grace to other people. And of course, the final way that we can show mercy is the obvious way, which is simply forgiving other people when they hurt us. You can think of Joseph in the Bible. Remember Joseph? His brothers were jealous of him. They wanted rid of him. They first of all thought they were going to kill him. They took him out. And just before they did that, there were some passing traitors and they sold Joseph, their brother. They thought that would be the last time they would ever see him, but it wasn't. And much later on, they were in need. They were starving. They went to Egypt to get food. And by this time, Joseph had risen to be the second most powerful man in Egypt. And he was in control of the future destiny now of his brothers. And he could have responded in that situation by saying, I hate you. I never wanted to see you again. And you deserve to die. So you will. But he chose to extend mercy and forgiveness and grace. And again, I think sometimes we shouldn't be surprised when God can turn the tables and make a thing happen whereby someone who has really hurt us and now the, the shoe is on the other foot and we're in a situation where we can respond in one of two ways. We can either show our vengeance and express that or we can express and show forgiveness. And the, it's a measure of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as to which way we go with that. But as I said a few moments ago, it is really, really hard to forgive. And I think most of us want to forgive, but we just don't know how to get there. And that's why I want, and again, just a couple of minutes, to turn to that passage, Ephesians chapter 4, which you might have open in front of you. Some things that help you 
to be someone who can forgive, a stepping stone, as it were, on the road to enable you to be merciful and to forgive, even when you're finding it really hard. And the first one is in verse 30, where it simply says there, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, don't do something that you know is gonna hurt the Holy Spirit. And maybe the first thing to remember, the thing that helps you is to remember that the Holy Spirit really is living and working in your life. The Holy Spirit is there. So any action that you're going to do is going to have an impact upon that. And what you need to remember, of course, is that actually, Other people have sinned, you have sinned, and that every sin that has ever been committed has been placed on the very person of Jesus Christ, and he died in your place to take those away. That's what Christ has done. And when we start to follow Christ, his Holy Spirit is within us. And when we remind ourselves that the Holy Spirit is there, it should impact what we are doing and how we deal with other people. So it might seem it's beyond you, but the first thing to do is to remember the Holy Spirit is in your life, willing you to act. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And the second thing, piece of advice that's in this passage, I've simply described it as don't dwell on the wrong or the hurt. If you read verse 31 of Ephesians 4, what this verse is in many ways is just a rehearsing of all the ways that people hurt you and the reaction that you might have to that. And in verse 31, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. You know, when someone does hurt you, the easiest thing in the world to do is just to dwell on it and to think about it and to let that hurt you even more. And you say to yourself how bad this thing was. You tell yourself how painful this was, how wrong it was, how insulting it was. And the more that you think about that, it just stokes up more anxiety. Yet Ephesians is saying, and Paul in these words is saying, get rid of all that. Don't dwell on those things. Paul writes also in Philippians, you know, if anything is praiseworthy, if anything is good, if anything is attractive, think about those things. Don't think on the wrong. And the last thing, the last way to help you to be a forgiving person, even when you feel it's impossible, is simply to remember that God has in Christ forgiven you. And that's verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And that's what this beatitude, I think this is at the center of what the beatitude is really all about. I mean, you don't get mercy because you are merciful, because by and large, you're not. But the way that God works is that he simply has shown his mercy and grace. We didn't deserve that in any shape or form. It was undeserved, but by his grace and love and mercy, he has forgiven us at Christ, in Christ at Calvary. And you will never be able to fully fathom all of that. So today, just thank God for that. Rejoice in your salvation. Appreciate your salvation. And the more that you dwell on the love of God and how it has been demonstrated in Jesus Christ, you will be able to show that love and that mercy and that grace to other people. Now, there's no way that 
you'll be able to overcome and do this yourself. You will need God and you will need his Holy Spirit. And we'll be thankful that in Christ, God stepped into our lives and he has given us his Holy Spirit. And the challenge then for us is how we extend that mercy to other people because it is so central to who God is. By way of response, just after I pray, we're going to sing quietly behind our masks a couple of songs. The first one is simply reminding us, well, everyone, yet we all need this compassion. Everyone needs compassion. And we thank God for this compassion he has shown us. And there's no way that we could ever do this ourselves. And the second song is Living Hope, which is also saying about that chasm that existed that we couldn't cross ourselves. Maybe there is a hurt, a situation that you feel today you can't cross because it's impossible, it's too great. What we've been thinking about today is that, yes, you may not be able to do that, but God is working in your life and you're thankful for what God has done. And in grace, you respond to him. Let's just pause for a moment in prayer. Our Lord, as we think about mercy and grace and how we might show that ourselves, our prayer is that we would simply see Jesus. And that mercy that he has shown us. Amen.